Here's what's coming up on this week's show. And if you can't think through their eyes, then your message is, is going to be off point. It's just so important that you think like them so that the, the messages really just touch them. The beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Before we go any further, make sure you go and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes, especially if you've listened before and if you've joined us for the first time. Well, you can do it now or you can do it later, but don't forget to do it. Thank you very much. You'll help us out greatly. Oh, we've got a new feature, Claire, today, haven't we? We have. We've got an extra voice who's going to be joining us on our podcast, which is really exciting. Yeah, we'll tell you more about that a little bit later on. And before we go into today's topic, I think we need to congratulate your daughter. Oh, I know. I'm so super proud of her. She's a proper little entrepreneur. Talk about this this whole dog biscuit thing she's been doing. Well, with the homeschooling, which we're currently faced with, I've decided to go very child-led and let the children imagine and let the children be creative. So... Yes, so my daughter has basically set up her own little business. She's 11 years old. And the detail and the research that and the hours that have gone into this uh, just completely blow my mind. So she's designed everything from the logo to the slogan. She's worked out her profit margins yesterday. She's worked out how many dog biscuits she needs to sell, what dogs like, what they don't like, the size of small, medium, large dogs. The attention to detail is beyond anything I've probably ever experienced myself. Is she going to branch out into making human biscuits at any stage? Maybe for certain people she may. We actually did have an order for some cat biscuits. No, no, human biscuits. This is like for humans. It was something we discussed, but um, as I quote what Yasmin said, was let's just do one thing at a time. So we're just going to do one <laughs> thing at a time. I told you, didn't it? Bless her. I was like, of course then, no worries. <laughs> so I've been put in my place. And um, as, as she said as well, that it's my business, my rules. Oh, oh, oh crikey. Wow, that's putting your foot down with a firm hand, isn't it? So I know my place. I am the PA. <laughs> so every week we'd like to have a guest on the show who can help us to solve a problem or understand a way we can move our business forwards and help us to think big. So what's our topic this week? How to think like your customers. Oh, this is a big one, isn't it? I know this is a really important one to understand how your audience ticks and how your customers tick because then you can provide them with exactly what they want, like dog biscuits, I suppose. Well, exactly. Now, identifying what it is that they're looking for so we can then respond and convey the message appropriately. So understanding what they need to hear is is absolutely vital. So it's a big topic, so we need someone with uh, big authority to be able to answer this one, right? Absolutely, yes. So we're going to be speaking to Alison Edgar, MBE. Oh, it's our first decorated guest. I know. How awesome is that? So Alison is a live and virtual speaker, motivating audiences around the world to enhance their performance by giving actionable takeaways and helping um, us understand our clients' language. This is the Big Little Business Show. When you're marketing a business, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is it to think like your customers? I completely think it's a 10 because... Like when you put your wording together and you put your marketing messages, you've really got to touch the soul of your customer. And if you can't think through their eyes, then your message is is going to be off point. It's just so important that you think like them so that the, the messages really just touch them 
um, in the soul at the right time. Oh, touching their soul. I like that. I love that too. Yeah, touching the soul of your customers. That's brilliant. That's written down. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so there's thousands of different industries out there. Do you think one particular industry lends itself to a specific personality type? Yes, actually. I think, I, I believe you can adapt to all different types, but there's natural behaviours that you display. So um, if you look at things like a, a task-focused introvert so they crave detail everything has got to be like um, dot the i cross the t real you know towards perfectionism so that actually naturally lends itself to things like procurement to legal to accountancy so all those fundamental tasks that must be um, done to a high task level Um, And then you look at the opposite side to that coin. If you look at the relationship focused extroverts. So again, I use the DISC model. So these would be more towards the yellow behavioral types. So it's really natural for them to be out there at the front, leading the Disney parade, you know, holding the baton for Mickey. Whereas if that's somebody that's more task focused then an introverted, they won't want to be doing that. So and again, the same with like the red behavioural type, that's the um, task-focused extrovert. They're natural leaders. So for them, that's a, a natural progression into, um, again, potentially maybe even sales or into um, leadership roles because they have got that that behavioural type. Again, leadership's another sort of kettle of fish. There's like different skills you need for that, but that's natural to them. And then if you look at the green behavioural type, that's the relationship-focused introverts. They genuinely care about people. And that word genuine is a natural behaviour. So they can have um, things that are customer-facing, like the care industry or the customer service industry. And it's not that people cannot adapt their behaviours. They can. But there's it, it's easier if you're in a role and you don't have to adapt because it just makes it more natural to you yeah I guess there's certain things that you can teach and certain things you can't so if you've got that natural type of personality you're going to ultimately enjoy what you do more because it's going to come naturally to you yeah and again you know an example of that is so for me I've got low behavioral a blue type so that attention to detail is really hard and it's not that I can't do it so for example if I'm doing the business plan or the financial forecast or you know even writing the books is an example that I can do it you know I do it but oof, I find it really draining on myself. So that's where in businesses, a lot of people would outsource those those roles. But in, like in the startup community, you know, people have to do everything, have to know all those sort of things at the start of the journey. So, yeah, I do believe that it's it, there is natural behaviours that you're drawn to the things that you enjoy. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you picked up there, because... I mean, obviously, we're talking about how you can think like your customers, but I guess part of that whole process is understanding how you think yourself. Yeah, and, and it's interesting coming back to like the marketing messages and again touching the soul of the customers. You don't know your customers' behaviours, so it's it's important that the marketing message has got good segmentation. So again, for the extroverted people, they like they will like a a, a photograph or some sort of. Um, um, non-red communication if that makes sense for the people who are relationship focused introverts it's the words that you know the caring words the more gentle words for the um, the red behaviors which is the uh, task focused extroverts it's a mix of bullet points 
And then for the blue behaviour who need the facts and the figures, it's making sure you've got something statistical in there and something factual, because it's a mix of all those um, types of behaviour messaging that you don't actually know the behaviour type. You know that you, you can get to the root of the problem and touch the soul and, and really sort of like hit on the things that are the customer needs or the customer you know wants to purchase from you like for example like say um it's if you were selling um startup business courses to um an audience on facebook for example then it would be you'd be looking for people that were maybe looking for additional income that had maybe lost their jobs or they were struggling with cash, they were on furlough and they'd lost 20% and they were looking to top that up. So your message would have that touch in the soul and that's who you would want to reach with that. But how you would display your message should really be segmented with the behavioural types written through it or shaped through it. Claire's going to ask you a question in a second because I know we want to start drilling down and understanding how people in business can learn to think like their customers, where they can get this information from to find out what how their customers think. Um, but I just thought before we go into that, um, I just wanted to know if you knew of any other or could think of any sort of larger companies that we all might know who do this really, really well already and that the other people we could learn from. I mean, I think you've got the masters at this. I mean, like... Uh, who would you say the role model company for everything? Anytime I'm looking for a training example, I always use Apple because they just seem to, ma they're marketing it so well. They're quite big. They're, they're, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they ring a bell. Another thing I think that Apple do particularly well is they hit the FOMO market, don't they? The fear of missing out. So if you look at mm. the extroverts, right? So if you look at the red behavior and the yellow behavior, they want to stand out. They want to go out there and get the newest iPhone that actually happens. And then again, with Apple, there will be some sort of um, recycling type policies or how they um, reduce the, 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 the costings or the makings or something like that. But I think that's another thing that they would touch into the green behaviours. And then if you look at the, the level of detail, then that would be the blue behaviour. So I think a lot of the bigger organisations... I was going to say do it subliminally. They don't. It's all positioned. But I think that you can replicate that in a smaller business. Hmm. So if, if we're looking at trying to identify how we can reach our audience and how we can you know, ultimately make them resonate to what we're saying, are there any critical questions that you could suggest that would be really good questions to ask to try to understand a little bit more? It's really interesting, Claire, with a market from the marketing side, because one of the things, I mean, you've heard me um, speak at a lot of events and, and every time I speak, there's a part that I say, look, if you take nothing else away from me today, please take this. And it's around open questions and it's who, what, why, where, when, how, who, what, why, where, when, how. And from a sales perspective, that's how you get inside the psyche of your client you ask them the things that you know um you know what are the challenges in your business and why does that happen and how does that happen and what have you tried before and how successful was that and again all those brilliant questions but to me from a marketing perspective it's really important that you do challenge the reader in that way so you know an example of that would be um how has lockdown affected your disposable income or something? Do you know what I mean? But that 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 good open question challenges somebody's thought process. And again, if they if you're trying to sell them a startup course and somebody reads it and says, Well, 
actually. And it's really interesting, Claire, because I was on a call the other day with a lady that works from, for Google. And during lockdown, she's loaded. I, I wouldn't say that. She didn't say that. That's my words, not hers. But she's a young, um, single female. She's in her mid-20s. Um, she's not gone out, you know, she's not been able to go out. So her disposable income that she would have spent going out for dinner or the hairdressers or the theatre or whatever, she's not been able to spend. So what she's done is she's saved a load of money and she's going to buy a house. So again, this comes back to your target market, because if you lead in with a big, um, you know, you know, how has lockdown affected your disposable income? If that girl read that, she'd be like, oh, it hasn't, you know, it's, it's affected me positively well she's not the right customer whereas if that's somebody that's either lost their job or is on furlough and 20 percent down and is looking to generate more revenue then they would go yeah that i've really been reject you know it's really affected my disposable income you know you know, you know what's your thoughts on starting your own business blah 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 so again the same stuff that i teach in sales is really really applicable to marketing to just get people's cogs to think and and qualify or disqualify the reader of the marketing material. You can use these open questions so almost like a filter process, can't you, when you're asking a potential client the questions. When you tick the boxes and get the right answers, then you know you're drilling down into the right customer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it's a massive life skill. I mean, I, Paul, I would say that, I mean, I've just written a new book called Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want, and it's more in the personal development space. And I, I, the same the same principles apply to secrets of successful sales as they do in the second book. I believe that if you can master this, it is a huge life skill. That was really, do you see how she subtly dropped in two plugs in one, one sentence there? I did. That was really, really smooth. Almost without <laughs> breath, Alison. That was impressive. Boom. They don't call me the entrepreneur's <laughs> godmother for nothing. A boom. <laughs> I was just going to say, actually, following on from what you were talking about there, Alison, is it's really so important, isn't it, to just ascertain whether the customer is right for us, but also vice versa. It works both ways because the reality is not everybody is going to be the right customer for you. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, especially from a service industry. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, it's applicable to product, but from a service industry, like I believe that like getting a service provider is like shopping for a new pair of shoes. Like you wouldn't go out and like go to a shoe shop and just kind of buy a pair of shoes without trying them on and you probably wouldn't buy the first player because they were they were pinching at the toes or and that's the same as a service industry provider I believe it's really important that you do a, a bit of shopping around totally right so let's kind of move this on a little bit and think about which way around you should approach this do you think it would be a good idea to maybe begin by understanding what type of customer fits the product or the service that you've got or should you find out what people want first and then build a product or a service based on what you've learned? That is a really good question. And I think actually the answer is probably both. Um, I'll give you an example. I spoke at an event in Birmingham with Steve, the CEO of Gymshark, and he went into a lot of detail of why Gymshark and why um, like obviously Ben Francis is the entrepreneur behind that, but why it's been so successful and they know their customers. They, they know the avatar so well that the avatar has got a name. It's got an age. It's got a, a geographic. It's got a, what they do on a Saturday. It's got what they do on a Friday. You know, it's really, really, um, it's tight on the marketing. 
Um, so I think it's really important that you do know your customers, but I think it's also really important that you um, you know what you you want to sell them, if that makes sense, because that's where your core products. Like so, for me, you know, what, what do what do people what do people want from me? The market research will help me then to create the product range and then honing it in like the avatar I think then makes it like flow a bit like a triangle does that make sense yeah it really does and that avatar thing is such a great tool and it's something I do quite a lot and I used to back when I used to work in radio we we did exactly the same thing because essentially a radio program is just one big marketing exercise so you need to make sure that you're talking to the right people and we exactly did that we exactly had an avatar I, I i can't remember her name but i remember a lot about her even like 15 years later her age what kind of house she lived in what her husband did for a living and you know, all those really not just the real obvious questions but the deep questions as well the more you can understand about the the person and build that picture of in your mind of, of one specific person then you're, you're going to make the best products ever. Yeah, completely. And I think it's, you know, if you look at the moment, one of the challenges I see, and I hear a lot on Clubhouse or on Facebook or whatever it is, is around parents that are homeschooling. So if you've got some magic um, for like online course that keep kids occupied for like four hours at a time or whatever it is, then you want to... Talk- is that not called Xbox? Well, yeah. <laughs> Don't even go there. <laughs> it's Claire's favourite toy. If you look at that though, you know, like you, you want to be saying things like, you know, you know, how are you feeling at the end of a, a, a work, a school day, you know, how are you, um, how's your motivation? You know, what are you doing to sort of uh, combat that? And, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel really tired. I feel really worn out and it drains my energy. And and, and then, and again, then you, you bring in the solution. So you've kind of led with the questions, sort of delivered from a, a personal perspective, like, the, you know, this is what happens to me. It means I don't sleep very well at night, blah, 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 blah. Well, I've got the solution to this. It's whatever it is, you know, obviously I don't sell any of this stuff, but it's, you know, you read it and you think, oh, I really want that. I, I, that's that. That's the answer to the issues that I'm having. But if you don't know like how to talk to that person, then you're not going to, you know, it's just not going to hit the reader. So how do we learn all these tricks then and the, all this stuff moving forward? Are there any particular strategies or places to go that could be useful for people if they're going to start looking at their client avatar? I'm not a huge reader because I struggle with uh, dyslexia, but that's where I think podcasts around marketing like yours, I mean, you'll have had guests on that will have talked in this level of detail. And I think it's really interesting for me. I just pick up a little bit at a time. So I think, well, right, the avatar, I know I need to do that. um, But what tools can I use? Well, I can mind map it. And then what I can do is I can sort of segment it into Right, I've got, and we, we we did this quite successfully because I run like three brands. So I've got sales coaching solutions and that works with teams. So again, you know, I, I would then focus that towards the manager of a team or the owner of a business who is struggling to get his team to be on target. You know, do you feel that you're working long hours and that you're having to go back into sales because your team are struggling to hit targets? And, and that again, will bring that out from there. So um, I just think that if you... I mean, we've got two favourite things, right? And I, I sometimes people overcomplicate it, Claire. Do you want me to tell you who my two favourite things are when it comes to this stuff? Yeah. So the first one is Google and the second one is YouTube. And a lot of the stuff is out there 
in the space. And a lot of people, especially from the coaching market, people doubt people doubt their abilities. So I think that's a key thing. People think, oh, I need to, um, I need a coach or I need a this or I need a that. These people know more than me. Sometimes they don't. You know, they've just gone on Google. They've found out and then they're teaching it. You know, and, and sometimes... You know, I do coach people, but it can, especially in the startup market, it can be quite an expensive thing to do. You know, a lot of the stuff, just learn at the beginning and then tweak it and then try it. I mean, I would say when it comes to specialist advice, things like Facebook ads, um, I mean, you can read the Facebook blueprint and it tells you absolutely everything that you've got in there. But if you're like me and not got much attention to detail, then that's where I outsource. So... No, it's a bit like making soap, isn't it? You could go to Joe Malone and pay 20 quid for a bar of soap. You could go to Tesco's and pay a fiver, or, or you can actually go and pick up the products yourself for 32 pence and make it yourself. It depends on what you want to spend. Yeah, that's that's a really good True. analogy there. I like that. Really topical analogy too, as we're all thinking about soap. On a more personal level, if you wanted to do this for yourself and wanted to find out about your customers a little bit more, I guess you could do things like, I don't know, like surveys or maybe speak to your existing customers and find out a little bit more about what makes them tick or go to places like SurveyMonkey. I suppose there are some, some really good tools out there you can use to understand your own audience a bit better, aren't there? There's this thing, I, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's actually picking up the phone and having a conversation with the customer. Oh, um, do you know what? You've hit, you really, you really hit on a nerve there, Alison, I'll tell you, because uh, Claire and I love doing that. Absolutely. <laughs> people don't like to be sold to. So I think this is really important that, you know, people like when it comes to, you know, buy my product, buy my product, nobody really likes that. But actually people do, on the whole, like to be helpful. And if you say, look, I'm just doing a wee bit of research. I'll give you a prime example. I did this the other day on Facebook. So uh, not Facebook, on LinkedIn um, LinkedIn polls. Again, we, we run three brands. We've got three different product ranges. We've got a lot of stuff that goes on. And sometimes it's really hard to know if your marketing message is hitting the spot and whether those messages are getting through the noise. And somebody said something the other day and said, could you recommend a sales coach? And I'm thinking, oh, oh, there's a warning signal. There's something not quite right with my marketing. Yeah. So what I did was on LinkedIn, I put a poll out and said, um, as part of research for my, tw- and literally we are working on the 2021-22 business plan. Um, ha- do, do you know that I do coaching, uh, sales coaching? Do you know that? Yes or no? And the weirdest thing was, um, Paul, 43% of people didn't know that we did that. And the company's called Sales Coaching Solutions, you know. So I think, (laughs) wow, actually asking people, you know, not from a sales perspective. So I'm not going to follow up and go, do you want to buy my coaching packages? But that's a warning signal if, if, you know, 57% of the people on that poll knew I do it and 43% don't. Something is wrong with my marketing message. But then don't forget, I run three brands and that's um, that's a marketing nightmare all on its own. Uh, yeah. So do you think people might be getting confused between th- like mixed messages? For sure, because we, we've got three different websites, but ultimately I'm not really the face of sales coaching solutions anymore because other people can deliver that. But I am the entrepreneur's godmother and I am Alison Edgar MBE. So it becomes difficult. And that's why, again, coming back to the original question, that I think it's really important that every brand has got a certain brand identity 
And every one of the brands have got different ideal customers and it's bringing that marketing message out completely separately so that it, it, does, it, it doesn't cloudy the, the water. So if you're talking to your cold markets um, and also your warm market, would you change the way that you talk depending on you know where they're from? Um, yes. I, I mean, not so much where they're from, but um, like the godmother is... <laughs> You, I can get away with an awful lot being the godmother, Claire. It's hilarious. Like, like I can't get away with that in sales coaching solutions. That has to. The sales coaching solutions is more of the sensible brand. It's more the. It's mid market, so it's it's not the corporate stuff. The corporate stuff comes under Alison Edgar MBE, but it, it's I've got to just make sure that the messaging is is not too fluffy under. Um, the other two brands, whereas I can literally get away with murder under Alison Edgar and I can say whatever I like, to be fair. It's hilarious. But what about um, if your customers are at a different stage in the sales process? Um, would you change the way you talk with them and change the messages depending on how where they are in that particular process, whether they're cold or warm? See, that's interesting, Paul, because by that stage in the game, you know their behaviour colour. Sure. And that's where the changes come. So... Say, for example, um, we're having a conversation with someone and, again, we don't get many inbound inquiries. A lot of the stuff, and so I'd say 80% of the stuff is from me being proactive. But say, for example, we did get a, an inquiry based on a marketing piece that we had put out. Somebody said, look, I've, I've seen you've seen the work that you do. You're considering using you. So we take it off. Uh, we take it off all social and it's a phone call or a Zoom. And in that, then I'm having a conversation. But in the preparation for that, I'll have look, looked at their LinkedIn. So I'll have a great, you know, great feeling for their behaviour colours. Um, and then that then leads me to work, like funnel the questions based on the behaviour colour. And then when it comes to doing the proposal, we've got different behaviour colour proposals. So we've got a factual one so that, the the blue the task focused introvert or the red don't, it's not necessarily because they are task focused it's not like a media pack proposal it's done on word it's got lots of statistics it's very factful it's got lots of bullet points and then if we look at the behavior types if they've got a yellow in there or a green relationship focused we do it as a media pack there's lots of pictures of me on stage we've got like testimonially bits in there we've got so it's a more extrovert so we run different proposals based on the behavior types that's really interesting so you almost you've got them in as a cold prospect already you're trying to work out which draw to put them into, I guess, to a degree. Yeah, straight away. And, you know, you don't get it right all the time. It's not exact, no. but you can. And the other thing that, you know, throws a big spanner in the works is if there's more than one person involved in the decision-making process. Sure. And there are shades of grey, aren't they? I mean, they, you know, there are things that are people that are a little bit red and a little bit yellow or maybe a little bit of each. I guess, you know, sometimes it's difficult to ascertain sort of which pocket to put them in. Well, we, we sometimes will do too. We, we'll find out again on good questioning techniques to find out who else is involved in the decision. And then we'll have a look on LinkedIn and think, right, okay, they're task-focused. And then what we'll do is we'll send them the media pack, but we'll accompany it with a more factual um, word document that they can show to that person. Mm. So we do that all the time. It's not specific every single time. It's different. So I guess going back to what you were saying earlier on about that LinkedIn poll that you did uh, to find out uh, about your own customers, I guess this is something you need to be constantly reviewing and constantly looking and thinking about whether the tactics you're employing are actually working. So I would definitely say that you have to review what you do. And and for me, 
this isn't something that I just talk about or write in books. This is how we run the business. And like, I'm really hot on time management. So I talk about Alison Edgar's big balls and how you manage your time. And that also feeds through into the proposals. So if we know that it's um, someone who's task focused, we'll know that that has to be there within like a you know two hour time frame to get that out as soon as we can. Whereas if it's somebody that's relationship focused, I mean, we'll always ask them, what's your expectation on the, the proposal time? So that I know for a fact, but if it's somebody who says, oh, if it's task focused, yeah, can you get that there to us tomorrow? Well, I'll make sure it's there before five o'clock tonight. And again, that knowledge is just, um, knowledge is power, isn't it? Knowledge is power. And I think it's it's known really, and it's really interesting, you know, Paul, one of the things is I talk about DISC. So the model I use is DISC. And when I talk about DISC, people say, oh, yeah. I think I did that in another job or I did Myers-Briggs or I did Bailbin and I'm like, right, okay, great. So which part of it do you use on a daily basis? Oh, no, no, I can't really remember what it was all about. I'll, I live and breathe this stuff every single day. I run every aspect of my life through it. And I think that's where, um, you know, coming back to sales, like we don't win every um, every piece of business. So that and that's okay I can't teach people to win every piece of business if we don't do it ourselves and sometimes again coming back to what we're saying with Claire earlier it's to do with the adaption sometimes it's an adaption too far so I'm I am my natural behaviors are high yellow and high red and sometimes if it's somebody that's a if it's a blue organization or if it's a lot of people who are in the blue um, behavior types I don't really want to win it because I know it'd be too, it would be draining for me to have to do that. So sometimes I'll even walk away when it's a, a high blue organisation because um, it'll just be, I've got to deliver it. It'll be really hard work. goes back to the original topic really, doesn't it, Alison, about how to think like your customers. Not only is it important to attract the right customers, sometimes those customers might not be right for you. No, and I think that's okay. I think that's okay to, and you know, Claire mentioned something earlier that, you know, can you train everyone? I mean, you can, skills I think can be taught, but a lot of it is mindset. And again, I do believe that you can change change your mindset, but it, it really helps from a training perspective or a customer perspective if they're, if they're in a growth mindset rather than a fixed before you start to build that relationship because they're open to more, um, hmm. you know, more options, aren't they? Yeah, and ultimately you're going to see how receptive they are. To, to what you're, you're suggesting because you know it's, it's only as valuable as ultimately you know them take making those decisions to move forward themselves um so you know it's easier for us to guide them in the right direction um yeah okay well we've talked about some amazing uh, amazing subjects and topics on here so with regards to uh the three must-haves this might be a tricky one to pick the top three things that you could maybe uh offer to our listeners as to how they can start to think like their customers so i think the top tip number one um and i talk about this every time i talk is like most people were brought up to treat other people how they want to be treated so their parent or guardian oh you know treat other people how you want to be treated don't treat other people how they want to be treated so that's the top tip the second top tip is actually getting that deep knowledge on like what how your customers behave and you know, I think using tools, we've got, a, a, and again, if anybody wants one, we've got a free thing called LinkedIn and Colour. 
which teaches you how to use LinkedIn and identify the colour so that you can tailor the message. So I think that that's a really important thing, isn't isn't just to, to get a grasp of this, but it's starting to live and breathe it. And the third one has got to be the one that I've talked about the whole way through is open questions. Open questions are a game changer. And, and I talk about, you know, three-year-old children, we were born to ask who, what, why, where, when, how, who, what, why, where, when, how. And then we go to school when we're five years old and it's, can I, will I, would you like me to? And you don't gain information and information is power. So that's my, t- my you know, three top tips um, is, is really is in there. Yeah, that why question is, is so powerful and from a three-year-old, can be quite irritating. It's of course, incredibly yes. irritating. <laughs> but, you know, if you position that properly as an adult, it's not an interrogation, it's a conversation. And, you know, somebody will say something, oh, this is how I do, this is how I do my marketing, this is what I've done, okay? And, and you know, why do you, why do, you do it out that way? And, you know, what prompted you to change from the way you did it before? And how does that, again, it's most, most people like to talk about themselves. And if you ask the right questions, you just glean so much. And during that time, that's when you're qualifying, is this person relevant to me or not? And that, I think, again, coming back to the girl with a disposable income that, you know, she's made a load of money during lockdown because she's not been able to spend it. You know, if you are trying to sell startup business courses to enhance people's, you know, income, you're just, you've just disqualified her because she's not right for you. And so many people spend so much time chasing everyone and actually don't, you know, just concentrate. There's there's business out there that, that need you. You just have to find them. Yeah, it's important to learn, isn't it? And ask the right questions so you do learn, so you don't waste your time chasing after people that aren't really interested. I think yeah, that's a big that's a big thing actually that I've taken from well, lots of things, but one of the big things I've taken from this is actually the amount of time that we can spend wasting trying to chase our potential clients that actually are not the right fit for us so this work at the beginning and the front end is absolutely crucial isn't it and i think that's where i want i get dragged into this one a lot like oh it's cold calling dead or alive i I don't think we have to cold call anymore it's not 1984 you know if you look at i come from a call center background that's like i was like that's where i come from and is, is outbound cold calling People are savvy now. They know it's a sales call. You know, gatekeepers have always been really savvy. And they're like, can you send an email to nevergonnahappen.com? You know, (laughs) it's about quality, not quantity. And yet some people have still got a KPI of 100 dial-outs a day and times of three hours. You know, there's still organisations out there doing that. I don't believe that that is the direction that sales should be going in. So let's wrap up. Uh, We have these questions that have been, we've been asking right the way since the beginning of the podcast uh, back in June last year. Uh, they're inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actor Studio. We never quite know what we're going to get, Alison. So, you know, there's no, no pressure or anything. No pressure, Paul, no pressure. I'm laughing already. We haven't, we haven't even asked the questions. OK, uh, so what's your favourite smell, Alison? It is... <laughs> Coconut body butter. Oh. I love coconut body oh, butter. It. it reminds me of holidays good times and even in winter i've got a tendency to wear coconut body butter because it just cheers me up because i think i'm on my holidays it's it's a great smell and everyone has come back with an answer that has something to do with a memory and uh, yeah coconut reminds you of being on holiday which is something we can't do at the moment so let's have another one 
What's your favourite biscuit? Well, so I've been going through a weight loss programme and I have lost almost four stone. So I'm kind well of... Well done, you. Congratulations. Well done. But I am avoiding the biscuits. But I tell you what my favourite biscuit of a sort is. It's the pink and white mallows, you know, the one with it, like the wafer on the top and the wafer. And the reason is they're only 50 calories. So that's my equivalent of a biscuit. And I adore them. The only problem is... I don't just want one. I want the whole packet. Are you talking about they've got jam through the middle? No, 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 no. They're more like... Um, I don't know which ones you mean. It's more like a wee mallow. They're, they're called pink and whites. You, you can visit my friend Google. Google's always got the answer. Oh, I'll go to Google. Okay. <laughs> pink and whites. I'm looking those up. I can't quite picture them either. I mean, I'm not a marshmallow fan. Yeah, the whole mellow thing just like, ugh, no, it can't go there. But um, I'm going to have to look them up now. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a biscuit. I mean, it's like a diet biscuit. A diet biscuit? <laughs> Uh, are they sort of on the tea cake spectrum? This is such a funny conversation. Longer than that? No, I think. Sod marketing. This is the stuff we need to know about. It's like got like a wafer, so like it's a wafer and a mallow and a wafer, but they're quite big. Like for fifty calories, it's a lot of bang for your buck for those pink and white. Right. Okay. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out once we finished. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, I am. I'm going, to, I'm going to be really honest here, right? So, um, yeah, just come out with it, Alison. It's only it's only me and Claire here. It's fine. Well, yeah, and all the listeners. <laughs> um, but Paul, you, you know, you kind of touched on it there earlier that with your media background. So, I the media was never really anything that I wanted to dabble in or get involved in. I mean, even starting a business was never what I wanted to do. But I've done a wee bit on LBC. I've done a little bit on BBC Breakfast, and I think that I would be an amazing chat show host so move over oprah because i'm moving in <laughs> i think you'd so, be good as well yeah yeah definitely i, I tell you what I, I tell you who the first guest would be it'd be lorraine kelly right back at you lorraine that's the two scottish women on the on the telly oh do you know what lorraine kelly i mean i i, I, would, I wouldn't want to interview her i just want to hug her <laughs> oh she's so lovely isn't she well Alison, it's been absolutely fascinating talking with you learning about the different personality types is really important and uh, well where do people go if they want to come and chat with you some more find out a little bit more about you get some of your books uh, where do we go for all that stuff i'm everywhere just use my best friend google I'm, I'm not hiding i'm easy to find but on social media on um instagram and on twitter i'm at the allison edgar linkedin i'm allison edgar you know, I never take for granted that anybody wants to speak to me. I'm honoured and flattered that anybody would even reach out to me. So I am fairly easy to contact. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. That was packed full of value in terms of how we can adapt as business owners and talk our, our customers languages but in different ways as well so one of the things that really stuck out for me is it's not a one size fits all no it's not and the one thing that i wrote down which i absolutely love is how she starts compart uh, uh, this is this is i'm going to say it say this word slowly because it's a really hard word to say compartmentalizing her her, her prospects according to different personality types right from the get-go so she's thinking oh you're a bit red or you're a bit blue and then and then she's got different delivery methods for each different type that's amazing why didn't i think it's one of those things you think oh why didn't i not think of that 
Yeah, because it really makes so much sense, doesn't it? Before you speak to somebody, there's no point in going down an avenue and communicating with them in a certain way if that is ultimately not is not what's going to make them tick. So, But also as well, if there's more than one person within an organisation and if the information that you're given is going to be shared with more than one person, you're going to have more than one personality type. So I loved what Alison talked about is covering both angles by sending what would suit maybe a red and also a blue. So you know they're both going to be receiving the information correctly. Yeah, and even before you've got to that point, even before you've got them in as a lead, you've got to be thinking about what type of personality you're likely to attract with whatever your product or service is. And I I guess if you know that information right from the get-go, then you're already talking their language. And uh, and I guess it would be easier if it's the same language that you talk because it kind of makes more sense. It's easier to do it that way then, isn't it? Yeah, and that's what's going to build those trusting relationships up, isn't it? And you're going to attract the right people. Brilliant. We've learned an awful lot from Alison today. And don't forget, you can go to our page and find out a little bit more about her. Click on the link so you can get in touch with her uh, and obviously find out about all that other episodes on our website biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk right let's move on to our new feature this is exciting now a few weeks back we did an episode called what do business books teach us and our guest was adam daniel and adam read 33 books was it in 2020 that's like more than one a month that's loads it's more than two a month i know i was just trying to work it out actually mass has never been my strong point but anyway it's a lot it's a lot um, and uh, impressive, yeah. So off the back of that episode and the response we got from it, we thought let's invite Adam back on the show once a month to suggest some reading for us. We've got a page on our website as well, biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk, so you can get links to go and find out more about all the books that Adam's about to recommend. Welcome to my first book review of 2021. After my podcast with Paul and Claire on business books, they have asked me to come on board and each month review the business books that I have read. The six books that I have read were The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, Essentialism by Greg McCowan, The Dip by Seth Godin, also by Seth Godin, This Is Marketing, then on to a deep work which was written by cal newport and authentic leadership from the harvard business review all of them are fantastic however i'm going to give you the books that really resonated with me and i think will probably help most of you out there in some way shape or form those three books would be deep work by cal newport if you want to understand how to really maximize your work time dig deep get your work done and get it done effectively highly recommend this book i'd also reckon essentialism really got me thinking about how i can simplify what i do so again linking into working more effectively if you like would highly recommend that one and finally i really thought the talent code was good understanding how greatness is actually grown and not born so really some really good tips in there on how you can probably improve i guess your your work ethic as well so those are my top tips for my book review of 2021 i look forward to seeing you next month You can find out more about the books Adam mentioned on our website, biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk or talk about them with him and join us at the Big Little Business Club on Facebook. Yeah, the Big Little Business Club is a great thing. So essentially what we've done is we've brought all the experts together into one club on Facebook. So any of the experts on all our previous episodes, you can connect with them, talk to them. Adam's on there as well. So if you want to talk business books, that's where you can find him. 
just search for Big Little Business Club on Facebook. And this might be an appropriate time to mention that if you're on the new social media platform called Clubhouse, then we have a little Big Little Business room on Clubhouse every Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. That's UK time, 7 o'clock GMT. Uh, all you have to do is search for Big Little Business room or search for us. You can connect with us at Paul Mumford Esquire and at Claire Horsley on Clubhouse and come and have a chat with the guests that we've got on or just come and meet a load of other entrepreneurs and small business owners. It's just a nice, nice little cosy chat, Claire, isn't it? I know. I'm really excited about this one. We're going to join Clubhouse and we look forward to welcoming you there. And that just about wraps it up for this week. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Just search for The Big Little Business Club. Hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now and leave us a review too. Helps the biggest up in podcast land. And we're all done. Say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. <laughs> You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. The Big Little Business Show is a PM2 Media and Excel Networking production.